Well, I guess we're making a podcast. (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing, but we really had to make the choice if we were going to wait until we could get this perfect or we were just going to get started and we're going to pick get started. So this is exciting because we get to have a way of reaching and teaching leaders all over the world in a way that we've never really done before. And it's in an environment where we can be less guarded and less scripted than we normally are in our corporate classrooms. So what we know for sure is that people are suffering at work and that this is going to give us a chance to address why that might be happening. And we know that it has something to do with the fact that we don't let people bring their whole selves to work. And so people get guarded and we stop ourselves from having tough talks at work, things that things that feel vulnerable. We back away from that. And so on the Leadership Living Room podcast, we hope to just charge right into uh, some of those tough conversations, dance with discomfort, and really get to the heart of human performance. This is an opportunity for us to bring together some of the most amazing minds we've met, um, thought leaders in this space, some amazing executive coaches and leadership development experts to talk about what might be the key to it all, uh, which is creating a more deeply human workplace and the impact that could have on human performance. Welcome to Leadership Living Room. everybody. Welcome to the Leadership Living Room. I'm Candace Pentiato, and I am here with my business partners at The People Side. The People Side is an executive coaching and leadership development firm based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And we get to go out into the world and do deeply human work with leaders everywhere. Usually. Uh, usually. <laughs> or we try. Yeah. Not right now. <laughs> Not right now. You're right. Hence the podcast. Yes. That's right. Hence the podcast. Um, well, we've spent decades of our lives in corporate classrooms and developing leaders in in-person environments. It's not available to us right now. And so this podcast is maybe an opportunity for us to reach and teach leaders in a whole new way. And that's pretty exciting. Can you believe we're doing this? It's going to be fun. (laughs) I feel, yes, I can believe we're doing it because I, what I know about the two of you is you're always up for a challenge and a little adventure. And I am that way too. So I can believe we're doing it and I can't wait. So let me introduce you first, maybe. Sure. Yeah. So this is Naomi Banks and Naomi Banks joined the people side. She's an executive coach. You also do leadership development, organizational effectiveness. You just bring that business hat to this work. Uh, You have been, you know, inside of technology companies and healthcare companies, really guiding culture and organizational effectiveness internally. We're your first external Mm -hmm. move here to the people side. So we're so excited to have you on the team. And um Thanks for just jumping in and helping us have some big conversations here today that help people realize what we do and why they might want to listen to this podcast. So directly to my right is Claire Williams. Claire, you've been with PeopleSide a little bit longer, but uh, also out of corporate America in your first consulting role, worked at the Target Corporation and have had um, the opportunity to not only get a coaching certification for yourself, but also you are a mentor coach to other people and uh, have been partnering with us to grow our practice and become a more deeply human company because that is really your heart pocket work. Yes, it is. 
Yeah. It's a match made in heaven. It's a match made in heaven. So you will probably, the listeners will get to know both of these ladies more as the podcast evolves because you will be frequent guests Mm -hmm. of ours uh, in this, in this environment. But, you know, the leadership living room has been a live experience that people can come to. Mm -hmm. And when we started to think about, well, who are we now that we can't get leaders together that way? One of the conversations we had was what would it, be like to try and have these intimate conversations on a podcast mm-hmm. instead. Mm-hmm. So if you, I asked you the question, why are we making a podcast? What would you say? Well, you know, one of the things that I remember um, coming up for me right away is being able to reach many people and um, and having timeless conversations. So the the whole situation we're in right now with the pandemic and everything going on in the world, um, socially and culturally, a lot of things are coming up that organizations and individuals want to dig into and they want to grow. And yet, I think the conversations we're going to have and what we're going to get into not only addresses what's happening now, but will be mm-hmm. timeless mm. and um, and not only um, useful now and into the future, but really rooted in true research and science. And so this isn't just like touchy feely HR stuff, which I think um, we all have an aversion to, but mm. that's kind of out there, when right? people hear deeply human yes. development, yes. they go, that's kind of yeah. squishy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that's a real yeah, thing. Right. And so I think um, really having conversations that demonstrate that this is a real thing yeah. and it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. In fact, it might make the difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and making those conversations accessible to more people. Yes. You know, a lot of yeah. times in our organizations, you pick, you know, the top 2% of leaders and send them through this amazing learning experience or development program. And what we know is that the research that our work is rooted mm-hmm. in that informs how we work with leaders, how we work um, with with teams to bring them into high performance. It's, it's, it's information that could be game changing for more people than just the top 2% right. of leaders in an organization. Right. Yeah. And so this is a way for us to have conversations about stuff that we frankly just love talking about. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And to get to do that in a way that brings more people into the conversation mm-hmm. um, is really energizing and yeah. new for us. Um, but we think it can make a difference in this time. Absolutely. It's really democratizing leadership mm-hmm. development, which is thrilling to imagine yeah. that people who don't work for big companies at hire us or whatever that they would have access to the learning Mm -hmm. and the people Mm -hmm. that we read and the conversations we get to have Mm -hmm. that make such a difference. Um, When you think about the world that people are being asked to lead in right now, Mm -hmm. what do you think is the commercial for why they should care about deeply human development right now? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm just going to start and take it wherever you want. I mean, I think no matter who you are, whatever you want to say on the outside, the reality is um, people are feeling threatened in in various ways. And the research that you are very well versed in um, points to the fact that if we are under threat, we can't perform Mm -hmm. in ways that that we could. So we are not able to achieve our potential. We're not able to make meaningful connections and our access to creativity, problem solving, um, that actually needs to be happening right now in the world. 
and in the workplace, like that is cut off. So for me, um, that's a compelling reason. And I think it's that inside outside, like reckoning, like you might be showing on the outside, like I got this and, and it's all good. And I think, I think really looking in the mirror to say, is that really true? And is it okay to say it's true? Yeah. You know, like it's okay to say, this is really hard. And I don't know if I have the answer. And that's what I've been actually having some really cool conversations with leaders and clients who I'm, who I'm coaching, like for the first time in their lives saying like, I don't, I don't know. And mm. that is a, a, a place to start growing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's always ironic to me when, when people shy away from any talk of like the human side of work and the people's, the people stuff. It's ironic because uh, it's it's the humans who are doing the work, and mm -hmm. yet in, in the corporate world and the business world, there's just such a um, almost a, an allergic reaction to anything that sounds too soft um, that we really rob ourselves mm -hmm. of building environments, creating conditions for humans to actually thrive and do their best work. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, all of us, like we got big hearts, we care about this stuff, we think it matters, but we're also, I think, pretty practical, and we just know that there is mm -hmm. a very real performance and business impact yeah. to understanding what what needs to be in place for humans to do their best work yeah. um, individually, collectively, as part of a system. Yeah. And so bringing many lenses to that, um, mm -hmm. to that picture is what we're all about. I think if there wasn't a business case for this, we wouldn't be doing no, it. No, mm no. -mm. Right. And, mm -mm. and we wouldn't have the kinds of clients who we have that are enlisting us to say things are broken in our culture. People aren't giving themselves each other feedback. Mm -hmm. We yeah. are not recognizing the diversity and inclusion conversation the way that we wish we were. Mm -hmm. We are sensing that there is um, a guardedness that people have at work where they just don't feel like they can be fully present in themselves and engaged. They don't put themselves out there. They don't speak up in meetings. Why is that? We want to change that. We believe mm -hmm. it's getting in the way of us being innovative, good decision makers and how do you help people get less guarded at work? Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we're moving mm -hmm. as a company. Like training has a place yeah. in a human development strategy, right? Mm -hmm. HR should be talking about training, but I almost see the work that we're doing now is going beyond training mm -hmm. into unlocking human performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that creating of conditions is how we do it. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think about this phrase too, it's like, so much of training, right, is focused on what you know, mm -hmm. right? And and I think our work also gets into how you think about what you know. Yes. Mm, speaking my language. what <laughs> you can do with what you know and challenging what you know. And so I, I do believe it is something very different than skill training and it, and, and it actually elevates people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's, I think when you see a room of people or even just have a one-on-one -on -one interaction with someone who's in that space, mm -hmm. the energy is different. The, the courage is different, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. To step up and stand up and um, it, uh, there's yeah. a business case right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think the kinds of conversations that we want to have here on this podcast are the kinds of conversations people want to avoid at work because mm -hmm. they're uncomfortable. So welcome. So welcome <laughs> to the leadership living room, right? Because that really is what I think you need to recognize that if we don't create those spaces for that kind of interaction mm -hmm. and we just are always yeah. producing, performing, executing, yeah. which is what we want people to do, right? Like right. we want them to stay in that state. 
I think this is the thing that's getting in people's way of doing right. exactly what you hired right. them to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And well, so you have to go In there. a sustainable way anyway, yeah, in right? In a sustainable yeah. way. Yep. yep. And I think traditional leadership development is often focused on building competence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what we're all about is actually taking that, that word competence and, and transforming it into this idea of capacity. Mm-hmm. Like it, it doesn't matter how competent you are if you don't have the capacity to even access your best right. self, mm. your highest levels of performance. And mm. so how can we um, create, create conditions, create conversations? Because a lot of what we do is about conversations. Not classes. Right. Yeah. Conversations. Create conversations yeah. that unlock people's capacity for high performance. And I yeah. think the one thing I would add with that, too, is that when we talk about conversations, I think, again, a, a cynic or a critic might be like, well, that's a lot of talk. Right. So like, what does that actually (laughs) do? What is talking about this matter? And so I think when when you talk about creating the conditions for conversations, I think you're talking about actually allowing people to look and think about things that that they haven't had the time to. They Mm -hmm. haven't been given the permission to, whether it's from others or from themselves, Mm -hmm. that actually leads to discovering things that allows them to do something different. So it's like there's choices yeah. Right there. And so it's not just like a, like, well, oh, that was a nice chat, but mm-hmm. like actually a transformative discussion yeah. that allows a person to do something different. And yeah. that's what I, what I imagine will, will take place in, on our podcast, but also mm-hmm. that's what the living room is about. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the genesis of the leadership living room was just appreciating that when a human being is in a state of threat, they can't, not only can they not think clearly and focus and be their most productive self, they can't learn. Right. And so many ways that we were approaching development, people would come into that experience with a state of threat. And so we started moving and transforming the environment itself into a more shoes off self, Mm -hmm. informal place, get people into that weekend kind of mode Mm -hmm. um, so that they would engage. And and it worked completely differently. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm -hmm. And so that kind of like provocation to say, if you know what we know, you know that one of your jobs as leaders right now is to remove the presence of threat Mm -hmm. in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And because people are feeling threatened, what we say is our mission as a company is to alleviate human suffering at work. Mm -hmm. When people work in a state of threat or triggered, um, they are not, they're not happy. Nobody. Yeah. I mean, like who does their best work when they're suffering? Right. Right. No one ever. And often we're not even tuned into the fact that we are under threat or that we're suffering right. and yeah. we're in denial of it even. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so as some of the, the work that we're about is just bringing that into the light. Were you going to say something now? Well, it just made me think I was in a conversation yesterday with um, some coaching colleagues and really just processing a lot of what's been going on in our city. And in that conversation, which is Minneapolis, 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 yes. Um, And people touched by um, what's happened in all sorts of different ways. But what what came to mind for me was the emotions, the tears, um, the confusion, just all of that coming up. And at the end, every single person saying, this is happened like three weeks ago, four weeks ago. I don't think I've talked to anybody about this. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've been able to share how I really feel. Um, I don't feel good about some of the ways I feel, but like I'm needing to get it out. And I'm getting notes from people today about like this renewed energy, Mm -hmm. this sense of self, 
this courage wow. and like, here's one thing I'm going to do, you know? And so, um, I think that's just an example, yeah. right. Yeah. Of, of creating that space for people to be real without judgment, without the threat. Yeah. yeah. Right. We were, I was just with an organization this morning mm -hmm. and you know, 800 people on the call and we were opening up and creating a space for people to say, how are you doing really? Right. Just adding that for real. Yeah. We yeah. really care. How are you doing right now? And, you know, when the results came in, 55% of the people in that organization said, I'm in a state of stress and overwhelm right now. Mm -hmm. Think about all of the events that 2020 have presented to us that would fairly and reasonably yeah. distract us yeah. as human beings from being our best self at work right now. Think clearly right mm -hmm. now, right? Mm -hmm. There's an underlying sizzle of tension in the world, um, a state of almost you know, tempered hostility. And yet you'll see people show up in a meeting and do their best to be present and perform and engage, but they're, you know, compartmentalizing. Mm -hmm. And there's an energy tax to that yes. that directly impacts performance. Absolutely. And so I think by acknowledging it and normalizing it and saying, you know, the struggle is real and yeah. it's reasonable mm -hmm. for you to be feeling this way. And then here are some things you can do if you're feeling mm -hmm. that way right. mm -hmm. was super helpful because you demystified mm -hmm. the like, I, I should just be thankful I have a job. Um, why is that person seemingly like they're okay? I should be okay too. But we're not always able to turn off life and go to work. Mm -hmm. um, so that reconciliation of who we are mm -hmm. in all areas of our life is something that I think in, in the leadership living room, yeah. I hope we do that and help people with that yeah. journey. And it's always for us rooted in neuroscience physiology, psychology, and Candace, mm -hmm. I love the way that you talk about very simply what, what's happening in the human brain mm. when we're in a state of threat versus when we're not, and, and how does that impact performance? So I would love for you to just share that right now. So if you are, no problem, I'm happy to do that. If you are just listening to the podcast right now, then I'm going to try and explain neuroscience <laughs> using only my voice. But if you are watching this podcast on YouTube, you can see a slide that animates what I'm talking about right now. And so mm -hmm. it, you know, if you are interested in going out to YouTube and watching this instead, it might even make it more clear, but I'll do my best um, and keep, I'll keep it as easy as possible as well. Cause I can really get going on this topic <laughs> turns out. Uh, so if you put your hand in the back of your head and you just felt the base of your neck, um, your, your vagus nerve is running up to your um, lizard brain. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in the lizard brain, uh, the reptilian brain, this is the most primitive part of the human brain, the oldest part of the human brain. There's really um, a, a, a decision that is made in that part of your brain, which is, is the stimulus I'm receiving from the world feeling safe or feeling dangerous? <laughs> is it a threat or not? And when your brain perceives that it is safe, it releases these chemicals in your body like oxytocin and dopamine and serotonin and those chemicals stimulate joy and connection and relaxation but if your body perceives that you are in a state of threat we call it the red channel if you move if your brain moves into the red channel it starts to release adrenaline and cortisol and i actually think that that 
those chemicals have been pumping through the bodies of many people mm-hmm. in the last few months. And those, if you've ever had like a really big presentation, you get done and you feel that like adrenaline, ooh, that sense of exhaustion. Yeah. I think that's why we have collective weary right now yeah. mm-hmm. is just that we have so much adrenaline and cortisol pumping through our brains because of all the threats we're detecting in the environment Mm -hmm. right now. Even even when everybody was stuck at home during the um, strictest part of quarantine, you hear so many stories of like, all I'm doing is like sitting in my house and why am I so exhausted? Why am I so tired? And this is why. And this is why. And isn't it unusual that this hit, no one was exempt from this experience, right? So you have collective weariness and collective Mm -hmm. like, suffering that's mm-hmm. happening like no one was was safe from that mm-hmm. and we stopped worrying about really easy things right. and started to worry about things like you know toilet paper groceries and our physical health right mm-hmm. so lots of threats yeah so that is the reptilian brain if you go up to the next neural processing center that limbic brain this is where all of our emotions and our memories live What's interesting about this work with human beings, then this is where coaching is so powerful because you are, uh, you are helping a person realize why something that they experience at work is a trigger for them. Mm-hmm. What they've had happen in their life matters uniquely to that person because they associate memories and, and emotions with that. And if they don't understand what that is, then they're just behaving. Mm-hmm. And so getting into really appreciating what's happening within a person matters Mm -hmm. so that we can help them understand why they show up the way they do as a leader every day or as a human being every day. The last thing that's happening um, as a neural processing system is really the moneymaker for people like us who are thinkers at work and who rely on, you know, we want to be intentional and we want to be thoughtful. And if you lead people right now or if you are just somebody who is being asked to make decisions and be creative or show empathy, show empathy (laughs) or take risks at work. Um, The prefrontal cortex is the part of our brain where executive function Mm -hmm. resides. Mm -hmm. And when you are in the green channel and you're feeling positive and there isn't a threat that you perceive in the workplace, then you have access to all of your cognitive capabilities. Mm -hmm. You can get all the way up to that prefrontal cortex where you can have intentional decision-making, weigh pros and cons, make thoughtful choices about how you show up and what you say and what you do. What's unseeable about the brain slide and the brain research that we use to ground our work is that if somebody gets into the red channel, what happens if you watch the neural scans is that a neural block is thrown up in between your limbic brain and your prefrontal cortex, and you can't access it. Mm-hmm. You literally can't access yeah. it. Nothing fires, nothing lights up mm-hmm. <laughs> up here in the forehead area because you are back in impulsive and instinctive mm-hmm. behavior. You are in a state of self-preservation. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really important for us to just think about the fact that if we create conditions either in how we act or if we don't allow people to say this environment is, or these conditions are really like not allowing me to do my best work. Mm -hmm. 
if we kind of stuff that down, then I think that we leave human performance on the table. We actually, we know we leave human yeah, performance yeah. on the table. Yeah. yeah. Now threat is a big word. Yeah. I think, I think it's important for us to help people understand what we really mean by sure. threat at work. Yeah. Cause mm -hmm. I mean, we, we tend to jump to like, someone is like going to punch you or they call you out in a meeting and embarrass you. And those things yeah. are of course very threatening. Um, but there's a lot more subtle threats that are also just as real and have just as much impact on our performance. So, yeah. So yeah, we talk about the scarf yeah. model. Yeah. The scarf model. Mm -hmm. Do you guys want to share just a few sure. things that you know happen for people that yeah. are threats? Tell us about scarf, Naomi. Oh, oh my goodness. Well, I, we, it, we can, we can pinch it for you. If pinch you. <laughs> it for me because I think if, if it's okay, I just want yeah. to step back one second because yeah, yeah. I think we're talking really globally around threat that people are feeling or threats that people have. And I think we also need to recognize that we have all different audiences and populations that have been mm. experiencing threat all the time yeah. that's layered on top mm -hmm. of other threats. Yeah. And I think yes. that's a conversation a threat, that, right? you know, it, it might seem fashionable to talk about it right now because it is in the focus, but this yes. is not a new story. And I think it's, it's just, it's something I feel like we, it's important yes. for us to acknowledge yes. that actually there is real threat that people are feeling and have been feeling for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And they are coming into the workplace and trying to do their best mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are oblivious to that. Right. And so um, that's kind of where my mind is so, at yeah, right now. And absolutely. so if, if, if you wouldn't mind talking about Scarf a little bit, Claire, yeah, and then I can chip in. Yeah. Um, no, I'm so glad mm -hmm. you said that, Naomi, because I, I think um, there can be a tendency right now to, to focus so much on the threats that are so obvious and and shared by all yes <laughs> um like the coronavirus pandemic yep um and yet you know there's a, a a national and global conversation about racial justice happening right now that i think is waking a lot of us up myself included mm -hmm. to the 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 collective trauma um the the the, the the sense of threat that is carried in, in bodies. Yes. Yeah. Um, and th that started long before 2020. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we could go back centuries, couldn't yeah. we? And so um, I think it's really important for us to know that many of us don't mm -hmm. even have a have a, a sense for what that level of threat mm -hmm. feels like on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So just to start to chip away and build some empathy for that is mm -hmm. huge. So thanks for bringing it up. I know that you have in your coaching practice gone yeah. deep into something called polyvagal. And yeah. can you just talk a little bit about yeah. that? Because I think it shapes your work and how you approach this, yeah. this mm -hmm. work we do. Yeah, mm -hmm. thank you. And like you, I could talk all day about it. So I'm going to try to be yeah. succinct. Um, and it really picks up with everything you've talked about with the brain. And, and it's connecting the brain and the body mm -hmm. and really looking at that vagus nerve traveling from our brainstem through our body. And, and Stephen Porges did, wrote a paper and did a lot of research on this in the early 90s, which is really shaping um, therapy and coaching right now because it looks at how our bodies actually respond to threat before our brain, right? Mm. And so something called neuroception is happening all the time. And so you might think about walking into a room and you get a certain feeling or seeing somebody nod, kind of turn their head and smile at you and you get a certain feeling, right? So we're wired for safety, but we're also wired for connection. And we're picking up signs and signals all the time that say, I should be trying to be safe yeah. or I can connect. And mm -hmm. um, and there's three steps on this ladder. Um, and so we're looking at dorsal. And this is when you're starting to talk about that shutdown. Yeah. Dorsal vagal, which is basically, I have to remain safe and disappear. 
And probably everybody knows a moment where they felt like that. Shame can be a part Mm. of that. It could be like, I think my life is being threatened right now. Mm. Um, It could be, I think I'm going to get fired right now. Have you ever been asked a question in a meeting and you can't speak or you see somebody do that? They they freeze, right? Dorsal vagal. Um, Sympathetic, next next, uh, rung, fight or flight. And that's the place that I think a lot of people are in on a daily basis. I'm late. I got to get this assignment done. We're in quarantine. And it's like, yes, no, you know, quick, quick, quick. Not a lot of creativity about what all the options are. Instinct impulse. Right. Yep. When we're truly connected and feel human connection, like I'm, as I'm looking into Claire's eyes right now, um, sparkling blue, as I'm looking into (laughs) them though, and and I see her face, this is our social engagement system. Mm -hmm. And all like, you're talking about brain scans and all these kinds of things. It starts right when we're a baby looking in our Mm -hmm. mama's face Mm -hmm. to say like, this is safety. And when that happens, Mm -hmm. we are in ventral vagal and we're accessing the full capacity of our brain to the extent that we can as yeah. not perfect humans, right? Yeah. And so that is um, been a really cool thing to work with clients on because it's not only intellectual, but really getting into your lived body experience, which is different for everybody. Um, and women, men, um, different ethnic, racial backgrounds, et cetera, there is trauma and experience within our bodies that we are our bodies are sending messages and yeah. our brains are saying, okay, oh yeah, I remember what this was like. Yeah. This is what this is. And so these are the behaviors that I get into when I get into that place. Yeah. So what if you could rewrite that story yeah. by understanding exactly how your body works and inviting safety mm-hmm. in? And so um, what I found with a few clients um, as I've been working on this is, you know, they're talking about something that they're really stuck in and it's, it's like, well, what is going on in your body? And this is not like woo woo again, like yeah. fluffy, fluffy, but I'm like, how are you feeling? And it's like sick to my stomach, you know, feel like I got punched in the throat. I mean, the graphic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then starting to like wind that story back, right? Like what what was happening? Why were you feeling that way? And then what would invite safety? Or even asking someone, when did you feel your most creative? What were the conditions Mm -hmm. that allowed you to do that? And all of these, like, I was with, you know, my best friend, or I felt like I had a voice and I was seen or whatever it is, but allowing people to work in that space where they start to access the information from their body Mm -hmm. and connect that with their brain. Uh, You know what I think is so, I don't know, simple and approachable about what we're doing because we can get heady quick yeah right like we read thank you for lot, cutting me off by the way we research yeah. <laughs> a lot we study a lot no yeah and i don't think you were getting yeah. too heady but i think what's important is you the only choice you're making either as a leader an organization or a human being is whether or not i'm curious about why i act the way i act mm-hmm. or exactly. i'm just going to keep acting that way yeah and i think that that's the most powerful thing about the work that we do is that's that great. we just allow people to safely approach this idea of like, huh, I wonder if that's why I'm feeling and acting this way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I wonder if when we start talking about things like our bodies and the way that yeah. what's happening in our brains and bodies impacts our performance at work, I'm wondering, in fact, I can almost bet that there are people who are tuned in right now who just feel like if they're, if they're tuned into their bodies or their brains, just feel a little bit of a reaction. Like, yeah. Ooh, that's, I don't know. That's a little bit, that's a little bit <laughs> too far or you sort know, of uncomfortable yeah, to consider. Especially yeah. in corporate America. It's like yeah. someone said body, like, I, you know, I don't want HR called on me um, or right. that feels mm. woo woo, too touchy feely. And, and, yeah. you know, I think 
you know, unfortunately, that's a huge barrier to us using our bodies as sources of information that will help us perform better. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think out of all of us, you've done more body or we mm-hmm. call it somatic work and yeah. coaching than all of us. I mean, how do you how do you talk to people in corporate America about the importance of um, the body in the equation? <laughs> yeah. I think probably I go to their experience. So instead of being like, I'm going to teach you this, yeah. you know, I go to their t- whatever their issue is, like, how are you feeling? Or have you ever felt like this X mm-hmm. and have them go there. Um, and so as they do that, it's almost like they start to actually experience mm-hmm. what we're talking about with somatics mm-hmm. and why their body is like they should be listening to their mm-hmm. body. And I think about this, like little kids do this. Yeah. They will do, they just do it. We learn as adults not to listen to yeah. our bodies. Yeah. Right. So a little kid, like, um, you know, I'm listening to my body. I have to go potty. Right. Like they, they get there. I wish I'm my three-year-old. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right That's like bringing in my home right now. Or, you know, it's like, you know, I'm feeling hug. sad. So I cry. I, yeah. And then somebody says to you, yeah. Like, why are you crying? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Don't cry. Change your that. attitude. Don't act like that. Yeah. Well, and this you is a, this crying. is a, this is one that probably a lot of resonates with a lot of people. A little one, let's say, you know, um, Claire, you say like, oh, Mabel, go hug Naomi. And she's like, I don't want to. And we we're like, well, go do that. Yeah. Naomi. Say, but she's like, I don't know who she is. Like, so her body is like reading this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know this lady. I don't. And, mm-hmm. and her mind starts to kick in and say, like, don't do this. So this is like conditioning that yeah. happens over time just as a part of society. Yeah. So I think really, again, if a, a leader, if I'm, tr- if I'm trying to work with a leader on this, instead of teaching all of this, mm-hmm. although some people do like, yeah. like, like, let's get into the science of it. And I want to read the paper. Yeah. Um, it's really going to their experience mm-hmm. and be and joining them in the experience. Yeah. yeah. Right. And walking through that and then saying like, what did you notice about the decisions you made? Mm-hmm. What did you notice about your relationships? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you notice about how you felt after that happened? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that in itself becomes pretty transformative. Yeah. Um, and I I have had people say all sorts of things using all sorts of language to basically say, like, this is a game changer for me. So yeah. it's really, really exciting. It's not therapy, but it is personal. Yeah. That's right. The work that we do is different than therapy, mm-hmm. this executive coaching. I think m- many people can think about great leaders that they've worked with in their life and say they had a coach, Yeah, just like athletes have coaches or mm-hmm. just like other people have coaches who they like say, observe me doing what I'm doing yeah. help me get better at it. I think that's the, that's the value of some mm-hmm. of the work that we get to do with a company is like, let's just look at that in yeah. a different way. Let me look at your team for you. Mm-hmm. Let's do some assessment work. Let's, help them have a conversation and that we're going to just notice things that we know because of our training. And like, let me offer up an insight that might be really helpful to you right now. Or let me, let me tell you what you just said to me Mm -hmm. through the eyes of a different lens that you might not have. Mm -hmm. And that it goes, Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. that's -hmm. really important to me. I need, Mm -hmm. or that's important to us. Mm -hmm. And you know what happens when we do that together is the things that the things that we were formerly what I would say subject to, meaning it rules us, but we can't see it because we're in yeah. it. It's like the water that we're swimming That's right. in. The things that we were subject to all of a sudden become something that we can have some distance from yeah. and start to notice. And 
certainly they might hook us back in, but we're not quite as as ruled by them as we were. Yeah. And we can be more objective and and more choiceful. We can, you know, reach that frontal prefrontal cortex part of our brains. Yeah. Um so uh, and, and that that is the work that we do is par- is partnering um and and teaching other people how to engage with one That's another. Right. Like whether we're with them or not, yeah. right? But how do we How do you have a difficult conversation with your team? Well, and I think once people have that experience, you don't want to go back, right? So I think it in that way too, it's like, oh my gosh, I had no idea about that. Or I had no idea about this, this aspect of myself, or this is why this keeps happening. Um, This is why my team is struggling. So I think to just being able to create the way for that to continue. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a movement that we know is is happening Mm -hmm. and a lot of people aren't tuned into it the idea of creating more deeply human workplaces it's almost like you know the command and control style of leadership the you know what i don't i'm not friends with people at work i I keep that over here Mm -hmm. i Mm -hmm. i just need you to Mm -hmm. get your shit done Mm -hmm. right just get your Mm -hmm. shit done yes Mm -hmm. we've got our first cuss word yes (laughs) okay thank you and um and when you do that when you when you lead that way, you get compliance versus commitment. You create yeah. threats. You create guardedness, right? And so th- we're not alone in tech in going after this one, right? There are lots of thought leaders out there right now that you can imagine. We are reading that we are that we are talking to that we are influenced by, like the Brene Browns mm-hmm. and the Amy Edmondsons and the Simon Sinek's mm-hmm. and you know David Rock, David Rock, mm-hmm. right? Like. We're, yeah. we're studying what they're researching. I always say I'm, I'm not conducting research, but I consume it a lot. <laughs> um, and when we look at this, we say, and you say it the best, that the workplace is a container yeah. and training ground for us becoming mm-hmm. who we want to be. Can yeah. you just say a little bit more about like yeah, the opportunity yeah. of the yes. workplace it's just, to be where we could do this work? Yeah. It's, I mean, it is fertile ground. It's not... It's not a place to, um, unless you want it to be, it's not just a place to get by or get a paycheck or, um, you know, make sure that you've checked everything off your to-do list at the end of the day. It can be that. Um, but I mean, you spend so much of your life there. 65 to 70%. Yeah. Of our life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not only are we spending time there, but we're expending so much energy there. Right. We're, um, we're trying to get stuff done. We're coming up with ideas. We're getting feedback. We're navigating relationships and conflict. I mean, it is just fertile ground for either (laughs) like crashing and burning or human thriving and flourishing. And when we decide, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to allow my, my workplace, um, my work context, my career, my team, I'm going to allow those things to be containers for my growth as a human and I'm going to find meaning and energy mm-hmm. in that that's going to actually make me better at my job, but also just better at my life. I'm going to be a more whole, well-rounded person because of my work. Yeah. And that idea of creating more wholehearted leaders and more wholehearted companies, you know, and, and, and looking at it as a choice that leaders make and teams make. Mm-hmm. Just one team and one leader at a time is how you create a wholehearted company, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that makes me think about like yeah. just the guardedness and the shutdown that individual, like that's contagious, right? It's yeah, like, okay, yes. Candace didn't speak up, so I probably shouldn't speak up or Candace did speak up and then something happened, so I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. But just that, that hum, the humanness, the vulnerability, that space, that's yeah. also contagious, I think, yeah, and yeah. more so. And so um, I, I just want to kind of bring yeah. that up because I think that's so powerful how yes. you're, you're phrasing that 
Claire's as the container and starting one person at a time, I think there's a lot of power there with the yeah. ripple effect. There yeah. is an influence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Imagine that, you know, your company hands you a hundred thousand dollars and says, go and invest this in the best talent you can afford in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Right. And you take that money and you say, I want Naomi. And I bring Naomi into the people side. And then I allow or create conditions where you shut down mm-hmm. and you can't work and you can't be as amazing and as awesome as you are. If anybody listening to this podcast is a skeptic about whether or not we should be doing deeply human development and whether or not we should be going there in a professional environment, mm-hmm. I just want to ask you if you have ever hired someone who left your team or who never showed up in the first place, the way you thought they were capable of showing up mm-hmm. and that the conversation or the, the situation that is happening in your organization, what if that is contributing mm-hmm. to why you're not getting your money's worth mm-hmm. out of people, yeah. right? Like if you are somebody who's a very capitalistic minded human being and you're like, well, how does this hit the bottom line? Oh, that's how, mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah. how. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's how is that you went and you spent money on people and talent and then they never could reveal yeah. what they were capable of yeah. because of the conditions. Right. Your return on investment. Your return on Zero. investment was much lower <laughs> yeah. than and you, know, you expected and I think it to be. This is actually a good moment to circle back to the scarf model. Yeah. Which we toyed with we introducing did. and we never did. So um, you know, the the kinds of conditions that inhibit performance and and create threat in the workplace. Um, can be summed up, and I'm sure there's there's more, but David Brock's research, he's with the Neuroleadership Institute, his research would point to there being five main um, triggers for threat in our lives, and certainly these show up at work. So the first one is um, S, so it's SCARF, S-C-A-R-F. Mm-hmm. The first one is S, which is about status. Yeah. Like, where do, where, where do I stand um, in ranking, whether officially or even um, kind of in unspoken terms? Where's my standing? Mm-hmm. Where's my status in this group of people? And if that's under threat, mm-hmm. and if that's a particular threat for you, because some of us kind of over-index in some of these, and and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and they may be different than the next person, but we do have all five of them. So S is, S is for status. The C is for certainty. Yeah. Did I get that right? Yes. Um, and which is uh, all about, I want to I wanna know. I want clarity. Mm-hmm. I want to know what's next. I want to know yes or no, black and white. Uh, and it's And it's very hard for us to be in ambiguity. Uh, and that can put us in the red channel in our brain. So think 20, about 20 people. Like, yeah. <laughs> every change every single that brain. happens at work, yeah. your brain perceives it as a saber toothed tiger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's a threat. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the A stands for autonomy, um, which is all about wanting a sense of control uh, and to kind of be able to author your own work or your space or your, your life. Uh, and when that autonomy or control is taken away from you in some way or never granted in the first place, red a lot of channel. people go to red channel. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. The R stands for relatedness. And Naomi mm-hmm. re- reminds mm-hmm. me of what you said about how we're wired for connection. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that those early days of staring mm-hmm. into our parents' faces, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's just biologically in our makeup to want to feel like we belong, we're included, we're in connection with others. And so mm-hmm. um, I think I think many of us don't realize how many people in the workplace automatically don't feel a sense of belonging because of unconscious actions that we right. as, as teammates or leaders might be doing or, or not doing. Right. Uh, and mm-hmm. so there's likely a, a major relatedness threat um, that's related to a lot of the racial we, justice conversation yeah, that we're yeah, having. We and, notice it. Our brains are tuned to notice mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah. 
And then the F stands for fairness, um, yeah. which is, I, I always know that I'm there when I'm, I'm kind of going to my inner child and just like, it's just not fair. It's just yeah. not fair. Um, yes. And like, I, I feel, I feel threatened when um, I, there is a sense of justice um, that's not being met. Mm-hmm. And, and that might be a, a fair, a fair kind of justice that, that is right for me to ask for. Um, but whether it is or isn't, the point is that we feel threatened when we feel like something is not fair. Um, and we go not to our, not always to our prefrontal cortex where we can make great choices. Just like from a practical standpoint, again, to the cynic, I think about organizational change. We're going to make a change, right? We, here's this new assignment you're going to have. And like thinking about that model Mm -hmm. and what's playing out. I mean, I can't think of, I mean, and, and with respect, I will say I've worked with lots of professionals in change management, right? Yeah. And I think th- how the brain works and how the body works is often missed in the change management efforts, totally. right? Um, it's all about like getting people excited about where we're going yeah. without really addressing like <laughs> where we are right now and what's happening. And so I think just from a practicality standpoint, yeah. the work we're doing really helps to address real needs yeah. in the workplace that actually gets to productivity. But by the way, I might enjoy what I'm doing too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bonus. Yay. I think it, you know, so much of what companies want to do would be easier if human beings weren't involved. Yeah. It would be because then mm-hmm. you could just act. Yep. Like you can push buttons and yep. pull lever- levers and work is going to happen. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, is that companies are run by people. Mm-hmm. At companies, work gets done by human beings. And so I get excited when I think about some of our products that we offer to mm-hmm. people because um, some of the things that we say, well, this is what we are up to. This is what we focus in on are really the name of the company. The people side comes to life in mm-hmm. our experiences. The way that we do this work is about acknowledging that it's a human being mm-hmm. that we need to engage mm-hmm. in, in a conversation. So Maybe we could just quickly share with people, in addition to having this Leadership Living Room podcast, where we're going to invite in these kinds of conversations, if I'm a leader of a team, or if I'm a person who thinks my organization needs to do more of this work, or um, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm just a a person who says, well, let me give it a try Mm -hmm. and see what happens. Let's say I wanted an executive coach. Mm Can you tell me just a little bit about like, what does executive coaching look like, sound like, and how does it work? You know, a a lot of people think of coaching as either um, scary or you're in trouble Mm because you got a coach, which is sort of a like 1990s, the remedial action kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And and I think we're moving out of that era, but I I certainly still work with companies that that's their narrative. Yeah. Um, I, I I also think sometimes people jump to an assumption that having a coach means having an advisor or an expert mm. there to tell you how to run your business or yeah. your team. Um, to help you problem solve. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, right, right. And I mean, and certainly any good coach is going to come with some deep expertise. And yet the role of a coach is um, essentially to partner with you to help you expand your capacity as a leader, mm-hmm. to improve the quality of your thinking as a leader. Um, so it, it's far less about I'm Claire, I'm your coach. I know something you don't. So let me tell it to you. Yeah. And more about like, I, I see you, mm-hmm. I see what you are already bringing to the world, what you're capable of bringing to the world. And I, I hear you telling me what's getting in your way. Yeah. 
Um, and so instead of let's dump some competency building into you, which is what, again, a lot of traditional leadership development might do. I mean, coaching is really that that chance to say, let's let's expand what you're really capable of. Yeah. Let's help you um, make sense of your world in more effective ways yeah. so that you can navigate um, the complexities of your role. And I mean, and this is true at every level of leadership, but certainly as you move higher up in an organization, the interpersonal complexity, um, the business complexity, the the global, the marketplace complexity yes. only increases. And so um, that ability to improve the quality of your thinking yeah. is really the difference maker, um, especially as you move up in the ranks of leadership. Yeah. And, you know, having a coach is, is not about um, having a problem to solve. It's yeah. really about saying, who do I want to be next mm. as a leader? Mm. And I'm going to invite yeah. somebody to to partner with me to get there. I think about it like installing the upgraded software. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I yeah. love that. The next version somewhere, of yourself. Somewhere out there, Candace, there's an IT leader that just <laughs> loves long version 4.0. I've been 3.0 too long. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's interesting, you know, so we have a team of coaches. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who call themselves coaches. And I think, you know, we're connoisseurs of coaches. We are pretty specific about what coaching mm-hmm. is and is not. And how important certifications are and certain things and practicing and and working with that. If you had to talk about like our strike zone Mm -hmm. as a company around executive coaching, like Mm -hmm. who's, who's the ideal client Mm -hmm. to work with us? Yeah. I I mean, I would, I would say certainly we're really well positioned to work with female leaders. Mm -hmm. Obviously Um, we, we have experience as female leaders. um, And I think so many of the topics that we're passionate about, um, honestly, because of how women, uh, how our, our culture talks about and to women, women can often more quickly and easily access some of these topics um, than than men might be able to. And so in, at the people side, sometimes we call that the feminine advantage that actually being being able to access your own um, em- emotional life, um, being able to connect and be empathetic with other people. While certainly there are many men who are wonderful at that, a lot of men are told that looks like weakness. Uh, and mm. so I think for us, like helping women lean into their feminine advantage and see that as actually that gets that gets you further faster mm-hmm. in the workplace when leveraged well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also would say, like, if there are people out there, male, female or otherwise, who are are intrigued by what we're saying about, um, like, be, who do you want to become as a leader? So, it, I mean, if you're if you're sitting there saying, like, I just need to get better at, you know, presentation skills or I've got to figure out like how to be more strategic. Um, we can start there. And we certainly do sometimes find that coaching engagements start from a more tactical mm-hmm. question about a, a way you want to grow. But I would say don't come to the people side for coaching if you're not looking to do almost like soul level work. Transformative. Transformative work, not just on how am I showing up as a leader, but who am I being as a leader and, mm-hmm. and who do I want to be next? Mm-hmm. And what's so awesome about that, Claire, too, is that it, sol- it may solve a problem right now, but it solves problems into the oh, future. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, to me, the development is what the learner owns mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. can take forward. And yeah. and having been a recipient of coaching, yeah. it, it's such a gift. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that there's this sense at different levels of our career where we feel exposed because who we are really is getting magnified in mm-hmm. our leadership. And if it, then if you are in a role where you feel like, uh, my tendencies are actually not working anymore. Mm-hmm. That's a great time. 
yeah. to enlist a coach yeah. to help you yes. push further. Oh, can I say something about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Because I just read this. Do you have week. a story or something? Um, yeah, well, I just, I I just read an incredible article um, by one of my, my favorite leadership development authors, Jennifer Garvey-Berger. I actually have her book right here called Changing on the Job, but an article she wrote where she talked about we, we often spend so much energy protecting our current concept of who we are and how other people see us that we block ourselves from becoming who we really want to be next. Like oh, wow. deep inside, there is this mm-hmm. longing to become an even more thriving version of ourselves. But when we're trapped in this narrative, when we're subject to, well, I, I, I have to be successful and successful looks like this. And yeah. if I get this feedback, I have to fix my behavior because I don't want that feedback and feedback is bad. If we can instead say, I'm going to let down my ego defenses. And a coach is, is just uh, amazing at partnering in this yeah. way of just helping you start to almost make friends with those triggers yeah. or that part of or your, your ego. ego or your ego. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And say, I see what you're doing there. And yeah. you know what? I'm, I, I acknowledge that I do feel some threat when I think about this, but I'm going to, I'm going to lean into that conversation because I yeah. want to become something bigger. What's so cool about that is that goes right back to the neuroscience and the physiology, yeah. right? Because it's being in that safe place yes. that allows you to yes. explore and go to mm-hmm. an elevated level. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I just, again, like pulling that thread through yeah. it, yes. it's really cool. Talking about safe spaces. Yeah. We think about executive coaching as maybe being an individual leadership development strategy, Mm -hmm. while certainly we do a lot of individual coaching. We got kind of excited about the idea of doing coaching for teams Mm -hmm. and to create a team development solution where we were using the coach approach to provoke a conversation among a group of people. And we wanted to do this in honoring of all the things we know to be true about neural priming and creating Mm -hmm. an environment and the conditions for that conversation to happen. And that was the genesis of the leadership living room experience. You're on the podcast now, but we do these live experiences. Can you tell us a little bit about like, why you think that that's a potential solution people, you know, consider or get excited about? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'll just start with my first experience, which was observing a leadership living room where I saw leaders from across the organization, across the country, and even internationally sitting together, really getting real. And I know that that's a phrase that kind of can be an eye roller, but um, masterful questions asked to the group that got to the heart of whatever the challenge was at, at that moment. And specifically at that time, I think it was around collaboration and really even getting into the fact that like we're from all different parts of the world and what collaboration looks like and means is very different. Like that's not something you get to in a surface level conversation. And then that gets to the scarf model. This gets to all sorts of things. So I, I think like why do this or, or what would you use it for? Mm -hmm. I think the leadership living room creates the conditions that we've been talking about that invites or sends signals of safety that invites people to be themselves, let down their guard and access their brains in ways they couldn't before. Um, Be empathetic, hear perspective, grow, and again, leave that conversation um, changed. Yeah. So it's like, what do you want to do with this? Right. Yeah. And I, and I remember observing this kind of transformation as the group is kind of talking and working through this. And, and also this idea of like equal voice too, yeah. that, that there, you know, you might have people in different levels sitting together yeah. 
Yeah, it's kind of like titles that left at the door. Yeah. And and we're here to talk as a group. And I think that's another, uh, I don't know, kind of defining feature yeah. of the, the leadership living room. So I think it could be used in an intervention, you yeah. know, if there's some breakdown that you're recognizing. Yeah. Right. I think it could also you be used for like, how do we move to the next place? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, what do we envision for our future? And what are those things that we haven't been able to talk about that we need to talk about yeah. that would allow us to get there? It's installing the upgrade for a yes. team. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, we we always say it's not team building. It's right. teamwork. It's, no. Yeah. It's no, teamwork. It, right. And <laughs> These it, are intense conversations. We fuel them with exercises and facilitation and coaching and, you know, but I mean, the team's working yeah. on, on big stuff right. Right. together. And I think like if you're wondering like, well, what could, could a topic be? I mentioned a couple of things, but it it could be focused around really looking deeply at your organization around topics around inclusion or women in the workplace or again we've talked about team breakdowns trust. but trust culture yeah. you know and it's like this phrase i i came across like this corporate trauma that people mm-hmm. might be experiencing around something that's happened yeah that's like this is in the news or this is a really big really big difficult thing the organization is going through like how do we process that so yeah. i think that could be another thing yeah. yeah and i think it's important to say too that when the when the world um is normal whatever that means yeah. we like to get people literally in a living room yeah that's yeah. right like the space yeah. the space matters Good point. um the even the kind of aesthetic cues that tell people hey you can be yourself here it's that weekend self that you referred yeah. to earlier i mean we, we we try to make sure people have their favorite drinks in the fridge and in the time of COVID, we've had to get creative about, well, mm-hmm. how do we create that sense of psychological safety, mm-hmm. um, that sense of I'm home here yeah. in a virtual environment. And yeah. and it's not it's not straightforward, but we're doing it. I'm leading we're, one in just a couple of weeks, yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. Yeah. A brand new thing that we're trying, you know, in the spirit of how do you bring people together when they're far apart? Yeah. Is team talks. And so what I get excited about right now is that if we have conversations on the leadership living room and you get energized by them as a, as a leader of people, mm-hmm. that you can actually go and have this conversation with your team. So we're providing these conversation guides and tools yeah. that allow you to take this conversation and feel confident, hopefully leading that in your own organization. And so these products are really coming out um, on an ongoing basis to say these this first series of conversations is all about leading in an uncertain time, mm-hmm. conversations for uncertain times. And so I think that'll be great to offer that as mm-hmm. a way of saying, hey, let's not just sit on and listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Let's get provoked into action and say, how do I go have a conversation like that now with my group? And they heard us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, have yeah. that conversation. So it, it makes a leader feel a little bit more confident. Right. Yeah. So many leaders want to be having these conversations yes. with their team and they see the need yeah. for them, especially in a time like we're in and yet don't just don't feel equipped. Like, where do I start? What do I say? Yeah. Um, and so we, with team talks, we're just trying to make it really plug and play. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. here's everything you need. Um, press go and then bring your openness and curiosity and engage the team and let the conversation emerge. But we're giving people lots of of guardrails for that. That's right. Right. And then rooted in the research, right? And um, so um, proven, trusted sources of information that work. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, like so many companies right now, I think we've had to get creative about how we're going to do the work that we know matters in a brand new environment mm-hmm. and in a brand new way. Mm-hmm. And I get really excited thinking about the fact that somebody listening to this podcast could be sitting 
in India mm-hmm. or somebody listening to this podcast has not yet been nominated for a leadership development program ever in their career, right? Hasn't had no leadership development, but is leading people right now and is feeling like, how do I get some of this, right? right? I'm over my head. Um, Maybe I'm somebody who is trying to figure out how to change a culture in my organization. And I can just share a link to a podcast and a conversation we're having here actually helps your whole company have that conversation. It is, we've never done anything like this before. I guarantee you, you're going to watch us stumble, <laughs> learn on the job. I mean, there's no way that this is perfect. It's not even supposed to be. Right. No. It's not supposed to be perfect. It's supposed to be unscripted and like just us mm-hmm. hanging out. And that is how this has felt to me. So mm-hmm. I just want to say thanks for helping us Yay, record our fun. first Yay. podcast. Uh, this we are, we're calling this episode zero. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's the it's the why would I listen? And I just hope that anybody who's been listening to this podcast has heard this conversation. It's not just about like. I hope that this isn't just an invitation to subscribe to a podcast or to start to consider us as a partner. Like, I think it has to be an invitation to consider that there is a different way of leading that the role of leadership actually is about creating conditions that allow human beings to perform and thrive at work, that there are brand new skills and muscles for you to consider growing into mm-hmm. as a leader in order to do this work better. And that um, we're giving you tools you might not have had access to right. before right. to help you in your pursuit of this work, because our big goal on our mission as a company is to alleviate human suffering at work. To make work a place where people go and they thrive, not just survive. Survive, Right. (laughs) Right? That's maybe cliche to say, but that's true, is that there's too many people who are guarded and suffering at work. And we think that this is the key to it all. Mm -hmm. So any final thoughts from you, Claire, as we sign off here today? No pressure to say something brilliant. (laughs) Be brilliant now. Be brilliant now. Well, I'll I'll leave everybody with a question, which Mm. is, who do you want to become next? And... What from the topics we've covered today give you some inspiration or something to dig into? I'm talking to you and I'm also talking to our listeners as well um, that would inform, you know, your own journey of becoming a human that's thriving in the workplace. Yeah. Okay. So now I'm like supposed to follow that. So (laughs) (laughs) good luck. That was great. (laughs) Um, I, you know, closing comments here is that this has been really fun to just Mm -hmm. be sitting with you guys talking about what we love to do and that I, you know, one of the things that gets me excited is making a difference and seeing a ripple effect. And I feel really, I don't know what the word is. I just feel like a fire Mm. that this, this has the power to do that. And Mm. so I'm really excited to be here and thrilled. And I think maybe my question that I will leave is after hearing all of this, Maybe what are what what is your biggest awareness? Mm-hmm. Maybe even your biggest question, yeah, or concern, or something that just feels really important for you. Like you're like, wow, this is how it's making me feel. Yeah, we want to hear from you. Yeah, uh, our intention is not to make this a passive po- podcast, no. right? Like just like our classes are never supposed to be passive classes. Like it's not about sit and get. Right. It's about go do something about yeah. this. Let it let it impact you. <laughs> and so um, if you want to learn more, go to our website, thepeopleside.com. You'll see the podcast page there where you can subscribe and fo- continue to follow what we're doing in, the, in this area. 
you're also going to see links to all the things we talked about that we do in case those are of interest to you. I really think the most important thing right now is for you to ask yourself who else might want to tune into this conversation mm -hmm. with you so that you have somebody to bounce yeah. this off of. Yes. Yeah. Like, let me listen to this with you. Mm -hmm. Let's see how this makes us think and feel. Mm -hmm. So I, I would, I would just encourage you to create communities of conversation uh, mm -hmm. as we go through this. And even when you disagree with us, I think yeah. it's interesting. That's great. It's even more interesting. Yeah, exactly. Isn't it just exactly. more interesting? <laughs> yeah. So um, thank you so much for your attention. We hope that you stay well and stay healthy and stay deeply human. Thanks. Thank you for joining us in the Leadership Living Room today. We really hope that you found this conversation to be valuable. If you want to learn more about this topic or you want to lead this conversation with your team, go check out the show notes for this episode. You can also help us reach and teach more leaders in the world by sharing and subscribing to this podcast. That way we can tell you when new episodes become available. My team is on a mission to humanize the workplace one leader at a time. So we invite you to learn more about what we're doing by visiting our website at www.thepeopleside.com.